oh, now I'm all emotional, and it's supposed to be exciting, and man. Um, also, in the, in the um, um, mail, you're going to get a brochure. If you didn't get it already, you're going to get this brochure. It's our Thanksgiving offering, and we're not taking it up on one Sunday this year. We're going to allow you to give it throughout the rest of the year because we want you to have faith to believe God to provide you with something to give. Um, we've always taken up an offering at Thanksgiving time in our church, but never before in the history of our church has an offering been so needed. And the reason is, is because this year's been one of the most difficult years for us financially. We started this year uh, $78,000 in the red, and that was just because of a difficult year last year. We've had to make many difficult decisions and very difficult adjustments throughout the year. And it is our goal, as we met with the elders this week, it is our goal that at the end of this year, we will end this year in the black, that we will have paid off the debt and hopefully uh, be in the black at the end of the year. Um, I can't promise it, but in faith I can say it because I believe that it's happening. The problem is there's some needs around the church, and normally we pay for extra needs uh, with the general fund, but obviously we haven't been able to do that this past year. We have some desperate needs, and they're in the brochure. Some of the things that we're using, some of the same microphones that, um, that we've had since we were in the gym. I know it's a long time ago, and many of you don't remember that time. But I was looking at the mic that my dad was using this past um, uh, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday with the Sage, and I noticed it had electrical tape all around it. And I'm like, oh, that's one of the old microphones it's about to give out. And, and we just need some upgrades. We've been blessed not to have too much rain very blessed to not have any snow yet this year, uh, but when we do, our, our roof is, is leaking terribly, and there's a big roof repair that needs to be done. And so we've just sent out a brochure of what if every family in the church could do, that would take care of all of our needs. I know there's a lot in church that can't give that right now, so what can you believe God for? What can you believe God to provide for you? And uh, we're just going to believe in faith that God gives you that amount, and it's a, there's an amount that Leslie and I are praying about. It's a lot bigger than we could ever do, especially with the cutbacks and everything this year. But we're going to just believe God that somehow we're going to make that before the end of the year and that we'll be able to give it. So, um, you know, when money comes in, uh, about a week ago, pastor friend uh, just sent me $20, just gave me $20. It helped him with something. I don't remember what it was. You help a friend. You never expect to get paid. And, and he just gave me 20 bucks, And I it's like, oh, that's neat. And I always think about tithing because whenever somebody just gives you money, you've got to tithe on that. So I was thinking, okay, I'll give a couple bucks. I'll take the boys out for hamburgers or ice cream or whatever. Just thinking, oh, this is just kind of neat, a little extra money to do something with the family. And I just felt the Lord speak to me. That, that he said, Daryl, that's not your money. That's not yours. I, I, you didn't expect it. You didn't know it was coming. And so uh, last Sunday, right before I preached, I took the money out of my pocket and I put it right in the next to the usher because it wasn't mine. I said, that's not mine. I just, just give it away. So sometimes God does that with us, and, and I want you to pray about that. Maybe God will give you something in the next, uh, uh, next month or two, and, and you can give that. And we're just going to believe God to supply all of our needs. And, again, a lot of the projects we can't do until the money comes in, like the roof and different things. So we're just going to believe God to provide that money. And so thank you for praying over that with the brochure. We're in a sermon series called Thrive, and we talk about the abundant life. John 10.10 10, is our scripture verse for this series in the week of Thanksgiving that Jesus tells us very clearly that the enemy is out to destroy your life. The enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I want you to be clear on this. I want you to know the enemy is out to destroy your life. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have a rich and satisfying 
life. It says in the New King or New International Version, come that you might have life and have it to the full, or in the King James that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that, that he would give us that life that thrives and what good news in a world that just survives day by day by day, that we can have a life that thrives. And I want to talk about this in our Thanksgiving week, and I want to share this with you because this is our last weekend to be in the mall with our Huntley campus. And we were so excited several months ago as we got to move in and, and how God opened those doors. And I had you pray for the city and all these different things. And I watched people come in and they would work to get that place ready. And they would work their 8-hour, 10-hour, 12-hour days at work. And then they would come in still in their work clothes and, and work until nighttime. And, and they do that day after day after day. And they worked so much and they gave so much. And and, and we'd open the doors to a great movie night, and many of you were there, and, and what, a, what a celebration it was. And, and then just a few days later, things started going wrong somehow, somewhere. We never missed a rent payment ever. I, wanna, I just want to make that clear. We never missed a rent payment. We never did anything they told us not to do. We never did anything, uh, anything they asked us to do, we did above and beyond. And uh, so I, I want to make that very clear. We always worked so diligently to be a good neighbor. And so that's why it's so difficult to understand that when we received a, a letter a couple months ago, it just said, um, no reason given whatsoever, but you have 60 days to to vacate the premises. And so we tried to work it out. We tried to figure it out, but we can't. And so tomorrow will be our last Sunday out there. And uh, we're looking for a new place, and, and we don't have anything right now. So for the next five Sundays, um, the last Sunday in November through December, the Huntley campus will be worshiping with us here in Mount Prospect. And I'm excited about that. But the one thing I do know is that God has something better for us. I don't know what it is, and, and, and I have no clue, to be honest with you, but I can say that in faith. And it's been a struggle, I have to be honest with you, because as a pastor and a leader, I, I want to do the right thing by the church. And, and as a pastor and leader, I want to do the right thing by the mall and, and the community. And, and I always want to live biblically and act biblically. And what does God say? And so I have been pouring over when people reject you and when they persecute you and all these scriptures in the New Testament. I have been going over those and over those and over those and saying, God, I want to walk exactly like you said to walk. I will not be bad-mouthing people. I will not be doing this or that or the other thing. I mean, we'll do whatever we can legally, but we will not just re resort to terrorist kind of attacks. We're just, God, when we are persecuted, we are being blessed by you. We know that, that it brings you glory somehow, God. That when somebody rejects you, you just shake the dust and you walk away. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to live biblically. And I've been struggling because I've been saying, okay, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. I want to do it. I want to do it. And, and so we've been doing it on the outside. But on the inside, I'm angry. And I'm bitter. And I'm hurt. And I'm disappointed. And I get depressed. And, and all these things that are going on the inside as I try to live it on the outside. And I, I ask myself, is it really worth it? And that's what the title of this message is on this Thanksgiving. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? The Thursday that we received the news that we had tried to work everything out, it wasn't working out, we were receiving the letter the next day via Federal Express, and I knew that. That Thursday night I had to, to meet the group out there because it's our Bible study on Thursday nights. No one knew this was coming. And I knew I'd have to tell him that Thursday night. So I got there early to pray, and I, I just turned on the sound system. There's a little iPod back there. Looked under the playlist, worship, just hit whatever's there, just play that. 
And the song came on. And it's a song called Worth It All. And maybe I had heard it before. I don't know. But it just started playing. And these are the words. I don't understand your ways, but I will give you my song. I will give you all of my praise. You hold all my pain, and with it you're pulling me closer and pulling me into your ways. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. I believe this. And they just, it just kept going, and there's more verses, and it just became an overwhelming moment with God because I was sitting there saying, Is, was this all worth it, God? All the money that we paid, all the work that we did, and everything, God, is it worth it? And, and I want to say on Thanksgiving week that it is worth it all. That whatever we do in the name of Jesus is worth it all. And I don't know what you're going through right now. I shared a little bit of my heart with you tonight. I don't know what you're going through, but I want to tell you it's going to be worth it. And God knows exactly what you're going through. So I've been looking at Jeremiah this week. I, I've noticed this kind of play back and forth with him and God. If you read what God tells Jeremiah and then what he says back to God and back and forth throughout the, the Bible or throughout the book of Jeremiah, he's constantly saying, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? And then when Jeremiah gets upset, God says, Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? And you read this back and forth and throughout the different verses and chapters. And, and so, yeah, there's nothing too hard for God. Is it worth it? Yes. Our encounter group, we looked at Psalm 139 a few weeks back. And we just dove in. And we saw that God knows us and he created us and he watches us and he takes care of us. And he's watching out for us. And, 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 and we just have to keep that perspective all the time, that it is worth it, that God's in control, and that he knows. And we have to hold on to the hope that it's going to be worth it all. Because sometimes, and listen to me, sometimes we serve God with our life, and we serve God, and we serve God, and we serve God. And bad things happen along the way. And you say, is it worth it? I mean, honestly, God, is this worth it? I'm serving and I'm serving and I'm serving. I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm giving. I tithe and now pastor asks for an extra offer. I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And then we can go into our, our lives and, and you give in your marriage and you give in your marriage and you give in your marriage and you begin to ask, is it really worth it? I'm giving so much and I'm getting so little in return. Is it really worth it? Or you're reaching out to that kid and you're loving that kid and you're helping that kid. You're just, and, and, they, and as the teenagers go on, they seem like they're getting farther and farther away. And you're like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? And then you go in and you give yourself at work and you, and, and you just give yourself and give yourself. And you never know. You know, tomorrow I could be fired. I mean, they could come in and let me go. Is it really worth it all that I'm doing? And I'm just trying so hard to do the right thing. I'm trying so hard to walk the straight and narrow. I'm just trying to do what you want me to do, God. But is it really worth it? If we were really honest, there's some times in our life where we have to ask, is it really worth it? And what I want to tell you tonight is sometimes we go through difficult times not because we did something wrong or we did something bad or we have sin in our life. 
A lot of times we think, okay, something bad happened because I did something wrong. I missed the voice of God. I don't know how many times I've thought about that with Huntley. I've, I've missed God's voice, right? I, 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 I did something wrong. Something happened along the way. And you can think in your life, yeah, this happened. You know what? Sometimes things go bad when you're doing the right thing. And sometimes they're going wrong because you're doing the right thing. And if you would have sinned, it would have been easier. But you chose to do the right thing, so it's actually more difficult. And that'll be true in your marriage. That'll be true with your kids, with God, with everything. Sometimes it's difficult because you've chosen to do the right thing. Now, sin will solve it for a moment. But when you think about eternity, doing the right thing will always pay off. Even if it is difficult, even if that is the reason for your difficulties. I began to look at the Bible and it was kind of funny because you started in Genesis. And I was just like, what, what biblical illustration could I pull out for, for to just to study and share with everybody? And as I went through, I realized every Bible character, every man and woman in the Bible went through difficult times when they served the Lord. When they had faith in the Lord, when they, when they gave themselves to God, every single one of them had difficult times while they were living by faith. So it's like you could choose anybody. You want to do great things for God? There's going to be difficult times that come. You know, I think of Job who didn't go through his difficulty because he was a sinner or because he had done something wrong. You know why Job went through what he went through? It's because he was righteous. It was because he was good. That's why he went through what he went through. Elijah, he destroys the prophets of Baal only to find himself depressed and all alone in the wilderness. I think of Jeremiah who did exactly what God told him every single time. But he always ended up getting beat up and thrown in prison. And it happened to him over and over and over again. Every time he obeyed God, he'd get in trouble. And there will be difficulties if we follow God. And there will be moments we fall flat on our face. There will be moments that we crash and burn. But living by faith is just that. There's no guarantees. You are living by faith. And just as we believe that God is good, we know that he has our best interests at heart. That he's creating us, that he's shaping us, that he's molding us, and that he won't let us die. That he will come and he will rescue us at the right time, doing his will, redeeming the situation, showing that he is in control. So what I want to do tonight, if you allow me, is just take the three characters that I mentioned to you. Job, Jeremiah, and Elijah. I just want to look at those guys quickly tonight. What they went through and see if it doesn't apply to our lives. And and so that you can say, I think it'll be worth it to do the right thing. I think it'll be worth it to follow God. And we'll begin with Elijah. Elijah's, uh, this guy is unbelievable. He had the biggest showdown against the enemy recorded in Scripture. It it's happens on Mount Carmel, and there it's, it's him against the prophets of Baal. It's 450 prophets against one prophet of God, and the showdown happens with everybody watching. And so the, the 450 prophets do anything they can do and everything they can do to call down fire from heaven and nothing happens. And Elijah says a two-sentence prayer and fire comes and consumes the sacrifice. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, I want to tell you that, that in that moment, the, the prophets of Baal were slain. Israel rejects Baal, returns to God. A powerful moment. And that's all in King, 1 Kings 18, but let's look at 1 Kings 19. 
beginning of verse 1, it says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and The food that he gave him gave enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. The Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What is happening in this story? Because he did everything God told him to do. I mean, he, and, and he won. I mean, he had the victory. But he is completely depleted by that victory. He's got nothing left. If you look at the last verse of chapter 18, he runs so fast. He's on such a spiritual high. He runs so fast that he outruns a chariot. Okay? I mean, that's how energized this guy is and, and, and how anointed he is. And then he finds himself here. I just want to die, God. Just take my life. I, it is all over. He did everything right and he won the victory, but it took a lot out of him. Sometimes when we're doing the right thing, it will take a lot out of us. Sometimes when we have a win in life, it'll take a lot out of us. And, and then what happens is we get paralyzed by fear. And that's what happens to Elijah here. He gets completely paralyzed by fear. I mean, Jezebel says, you know what? I'm going to kill you. Within a day, you will be dead. Now, think about it. He just beat the 450 prophets. Okay, you know what? He should be laughing at Jezebel. Okay? He should be mocking her. But he's scared of her. Why? Because he took his eyes off of God. And he now looked at the problem ahead of him. And he, and he no longer saw God's deliverance. He just saw the problem. And so Elijah finds himself alone, depleted, depressed, feeling sorry for himself. And he did what was right. He followed God. God came through. And how could it all end up this way, God? Why is it this way? And in the story, we see that God's still there. That even in his darkest moments, he's providing the food. He's providing the rest. He's protecting Elijah through it all. And then it continues on because Elijah has to rediscover God. He has to get back to God. It says in verse 11, Go and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle 
whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He had to rediscover the voice of God. What you're going to notice in this story is that as you read it, because you can do that this week, is he has to ask Elijah the same thing several times. What are you doing, Elijah? What's going on? And he had to get his attention. And sometimes we have to rediscover the voice of God. We have to say, okay, God, I'm following you. Yeah, sure, we crash and burn sometimes. And yes, okay, God, I know it's hard, but I'm going to rediscover your voice because what you tell me to do is true. And so what do we learn from Elijah? Just to hear God's voice. In the midst of difficulties, when you're doing the right thing, keep listening to God's voice. The story of Jeremiah is similar but very different because Jeremiah is always faithful to God. But every time he tells the people something that God told him to tell him, he always gets in trouble again and again and again. He does exactly what God says. And in chapter 19, he's supposed to go out and he's supposed to go to the potter's house and buy this clay vessel and then break it and explain that this is what God's going to do to you, Israel. And while he's giving the prophecy, he's arrested and he's beaten and he's put in stocks right in front of the gate to the temple. And he has to sit there as people walk by and mock him. And, you know, you, you think, okay, God, I did exactly what you told me to do here. And I'm in your house, God, and people are walking by me, laughing at me. And so in chapter 20, we have Jeremiah's lament. And if we had time tonight, we're really running late. So chapter 20 is your homework assignment, Jeremiah 20, because this, this is a great chapter. Because all of a sudden he starts saying, God, I wish I was never born. How dare you do that to me? You make me go out there and you make me do that. And about halfway through the chapters you're reading, he's going to start worshiping God again. Ooh, I shouldn't say that to God. Okay, God, you're right. You're right. Okay, God, you're almighty. You're powerful. But then at the end of the chapter, he's like, no, I'm angry. No, I, I wish I was never born. I, I cursed be the guy that said, hey, it's a boy. Yeah, forget about him. You know, I mean, so, so you know, he gets that, he gets that really, God, I, I'm so angry with you. Because I did everything you told me to do. And I know I shouldn't be angry with you, but I am. Because it shouldn't be this hard. And what does God do with Jeremiah? Is after chapter 20, is chapter 21. The Bible tells us that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. If I could kind of retranslate that for you, it's God saying, I understand, Jeremiah. I know it's hard. But are you ready for your next assignment? And Jeremiah says, yes, I'm ready. And what's interesting is he just starts going again. And it starts all over again. But I love that because sometimes it's good, it gets really, really hard in life. And God says, I understand, I know. But are you ready for the next assignment? You know, I think about that as we look for a new place. It's like some part of me doesn't even want to do it. And, and, and God says, I know it's hard. But are you ready? Let's go. And what are you going to say? You say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Job is a righteous man. Again, without time tonight, we don't have it, but chapter 1 tells us he's a righteous guy. I mean, this guy is so righteous that he even makes offerings for his children just in case they thought a wrong thought. I mean, he's just, 
And so the enemy comes and, and, and kind of gives God the business. And God's going to get the glory by showing how Job will not curse him. And, and so God's going to get the glory over the enemy. And obviously Job, Job doesn't know anything about this. But all these bad things happen to Job. He loses his family, loses everything he owns. And, and, and even sicknesses start to come upon his body. And it's a horrible time. His wife's saying, just curse God and die. His friends are saying, look, Job, you're obviously a sinner. Would you just confess your sin? You know, you've got to get this over with. And, and Job says, no, 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 I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I just need to talk to God about this. And, and, and as the book goes on, you realize Job's going, he's not going to curse God, and he's not going to admit to sin. But he says, you know, when I do get to talk to God, oh, boy, there's going to be a few questions. And that's what happens throughout the book of Job. It gets worse until, like, okay, I want my day in court with God. Kind of like we wanted with Huntley. It's like, I want to go to court over this. I want to fight this. And he says, I want this day in court. And so he begins to lament in those last few chapters, God, how dare you do this to me? I mean, I was always good. I was always faithful. I always did this. And God said, wait, 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 wait. Okay, you've had your say in court. It's now my turn to say in court. And you can read through these final chapters. And I love what God begins to say to Job. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of this earth? Job, can you take your finger and move the stars around? Job, can you blow at the, and shout at the clouds and make them rain? And Job realizes, God, you are far bigger than I am. And you know so much more than I do. And there must be something bigger going on. And that's what sometimes I have to tell myself. You have to tell yourself, there must be something bigger going on that I don't understand. But God, you're bigger than all that. So you know. And Job realizes an important lesson. And that's this, that a life of obedience doesn't guarantee a life with no problems. Just because you obey, just because you don't do the bad sins, just because, it doesn't guarantee a life with no problems. In fact, the problems may come because of that. But God knows, and he'll take care of you, and he will bless you. And I love what Job says at the end of his book. He says, I, I had heard about God. I followed him. But he said, now I know God. Now I know God. When I went through the tough times and he was there... Now I know him. I bet you, if you were able to go to heaven and you were able to pull up a chair and they're in a Starbucks in heaven, and I don't know if there's Starbucks, but I do know there's double chocolate chip frappuccinos up there, but um, that if you saw them sitting at a table, Job, Jeremiah, Elijah, you could sit down with them. Say, guys, tell me, was it worth it? And they'd look at each other and smile. And they'd say, absolutely. It was worth it all. And, and you got to get that eternal perspective sometimes. Because we're talking about these guys thousands of years after they lived. And who knows what your life and the story that you're writing and the lives that you're touching. But I just made this decision when we were going through all this that whatever it takes, I'm going to make my life count. However difficult it is and however bad it hurts along the way and whatever I have to pay and whatever I have to do, I don't care. I'm going to make my life count. It's got to count. I don't want to just have things easy because I want to tell you, I don't know of anybody great in history or in God's word that ever had an easy life. They all went through it and God was with them. It is worth 
it all. Is it difficult in the moment? Are you wrestling with some emotions in the moment? Absolutely, but it is worth it all. And let me give you this verse. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You should have this highlighted in your Bible. Whatever translation, it's great. But I'm going to read it out of the message tonight before we listen to the song together. It says, Dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. You can go ahead and start that song. Whatever we do, it is worth it all. Whatever we have to go through, it is worth it all. And remember that God is with you. He will rescue you. This is the song that as I went into the mall and just hit that CD player or that iPod, not knowing what was coming up, this is what came on. So make this our prayer tonight. Just stay. 